Freedom Time, bottom of the hour, 4.30 on the midweek Wednesday edition of the Sports Huddle here in Rich- Richmond, Virginia, 1061 ESPN. Bob Black back with you. Let's talk some college football, bringing in a good friend of ours who's been doing it at a high level for a long, long time. A veteran analyst of the Virginia Tech Hokies and Hall of Famer Mike Burnup joins us uh, for the first time, I think, for the 2023 season. So excited to kick it off with him. Hi, Mike. How you doing? How was your summer? My summer was good, Bob. How about yours? We had just uh, went by really fast. I'll say that. Yeah, I hate using that in the past tense, right? I mean, I know it gets us closer to football season and all, but I hate using that. How was your summer in the past tense? <laughs> but, I did get away for a week in uh, the Fourth of July in Destin, Florida. So that was uh, that was big fun. That is. But nice. now we're in the thick of it, and uh, yeah, it's the game on now. It is, absolutely, and in a couple of weeks, and it'll be the Hokies in Old Dominion and Lane Stadium in Blacksburg on Labor Day weekend on September 2nd. Uh, let me start here, Mike. Uh, obviously not the season that anybody wanted to see a year ago at 3-8 and eight and 1-6 and six in the ACC. I guess there's a lot of answers to this, but I'd ask you to kind of narrow it down. Where do you hope to see the most improvement so that win total picks up i guess quarterback is an easy answer but i know you can dive a little bit deeper than that for reasons that this team can get better in 2023 well there is good competition at quarterback but uh well i think the biggest difference you'll see is that last year you basically had one receiver that could kind of get a little separation and that was caleb smith and caleb um chose to go elsewhere got in a transfer portal went to notre dame uh didn't make it through spring practice um for a variety of reasons, but uh, that kind of let Coach Price say, man, we got to go get some receivers, right? So he goes to the transfer portal, and he gets three really, really talented receivers. You know, you got one of them that played at Old Dominion, right? Ollie mm-hmm. Jennings, yep. who caught five passes, I think, last year for 120-some yards against the Hokies. You know, he was there. You got Jalen Lane. He was from Middle Tennessee. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, they got some guys that uh, can flat-out play. Uh, Daquan Felton uh, from Norfolk State, he's another one. <clears throat> so they got three really good receivers there to go along with, you know, Dwayne Lofton, who's finally healthy, and uh, Stephen Gosnell's back. So, yeah, they got some uh, better options uh, with guys that can get some separation. Uh, the tight ends are back, too, and Gallo. So I think that's that's one of the big things you'll see. And the inability last year, Bob, to run the football. They mm-hmm. couldn't run the ball with a hoot last year. <laughs> Three yards to carry, 3.1. And so they went out and got a running back, too. And this kid named uh, Basil Tootin, North Carolina A&T, who had over 1,300 yards. And I think he had 13 touchdowns rushing himself. Well, the Virginia Tech team had 15 rushing touchdowns. So he's the real deal, and I think he'll make a big impact. Hey, um, we both know, and you've been at it a long time, that in order for – and we'll get to the quarterback here in a moment, but before you can even get to the quarterback in the trenches, Mike, uh, what are you feeling offensive line-wise? You mentioned three yards in a cloud of dust. Some of that's on the running backs, obviously, but some of that is on those big dudes up front, isn't it? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And you got some guys that got some experience from last year. You know, when you think about the – the Moore brothers, Caden Moore, played a lot of football, and Parker Clements did as well. And Caden's uh, brother, Braylon, he's in the mix. Uh, Jack Hollyfield's getting some reps in there. He's uh, Dax's brother, younger brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xavier Chaplin's a big kid. He's about 6'5 and 250 or something. He's a, just a monster, so he's getting a lot of playing time. And Bob Schick's a transfer guy that came in last year and has 
got some experience. But, yeah, you got to have at least eight, maybe nine offensive linemen. And I know they're still working uh, to get more depth in that group. All right, Mike, now to the quarterback position. Certainly don't want to bury the headline here, but as you mentioned, the offensive numbers weren't where they need to be to be a winning football team. Uh, Grant Wells' name certainly pops out as you look at the quarterback picture, but what about some of the guys um, taking snaps under center? Uh, I know Kyron Drones has gotten some mention. Uh, What about the quarterback position? Where are they at? Well, it's those two guys. I mean, it's Grant Wells and it's Kyron Drones. Uh, Grant's the incumbent. He's the starter. Started. He's played a lot of football. You know, started every game last year. Started those two years at Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drones is kind of a inexperienced guy. Came from Baylor. Transferred from Baylor. Uh, didn't start a football game there, so he's kind of green. But he's closing the gap, and you know, he's got a certain skill set different from Grant. Bigger kid. You know, got a live arm. Uh, he's got a set of wheels on him. So. You know, I think if the season started tomorrow, Grant would probably in all likelihood start. But I think you would see drones in there with certain packages uh, to kind of show what he's all about. Are you good with that? I mean, where you will potentially use a two-quarterback system, and it sounds like in, in what you're saying and I've heard from others, it might not be a who's hot. It might be here's how we're scripting it, and quarterback two is coming in no matter what in certain situations. Yeah, I think that'll be the case just because – I think he deserves some playing time if he's, you know, he's had a pretty good camp, had a pretty good spring, and uh, he's looked good, and he's closed the gap on Grant. So, you know, situations last year, like in that old Dominion game last year, Bob, mm-hmm. you know, Grant Wells threw four interceptions. Well, you know, I think the leash would be pretty short this year if that was to happen. I mean, he threw nine all year, but he threw four in the first game, and yet they didn't go to the second quarterback. Well, I think they'll feel more comfortable uh, this year, being able to do that, you know, maybe take him out, let him sit and watch for a mm-hmm. time if he's having a rough go of it. So I think drones will bring that to the table, though. Catching up with Mike Burnham, talking some Virginia Tech football this afternoon. Let's go to the other side of the ball. Mike, I think I saw a stat, uh, and you would know it, I'm sure. Defensively, it was such a minuscule number of turnovers. I think it was like only nine maybe last year by the by the defense, if that's right. How do they rectify that and become more of a game-changing type of defense? Yeah, they only had four interceptions last year. It just wasn't enough, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that certainly was a big part of how things went. And so they got to get more explosive plays. They got to force some more turnovers. And, uh, you know, they were minus six, I think, as a team. And so, yeah, you just got to do a better job. And I think a lot of that starts with those guys up front, those four guys. And you need at least eight of them. When Virginia Tech was playing their best football, they had eight guys that could rush the passer. And you got to stay fresh in this day of the spread offenses. And, uh, you know, you got to help those seven guys behind you. But Chris Marvers taking over the defense from Brent Pry. He did that last year at the Liberty game. That was his first, like, two game. And he likes to blitz, and he likes to put those guys on an island, uh, the defensive backs. And I think he feels comfortable doing that this year. So I think having more pressure, uh, keeping those guys fresh on the line will help. Uh, I think one of the big pluses to the puzzle coming in uh, it was when they got the transfer kid from uh, Florida, this Antoine Powell Rolt Ryland. I mean, he's six three and about two fifty, and he can flat out get after it on the defensive end. Now, he and Burgos, uh, they are pretty talented. So they're working in that regard to get a little more depth. But I think that that's the key right there. 
you know, get those guys up there making the quarterback uncomfortable. Hey, Mike, what do you think Brent Pry learned from year one? Uh, first go around as a head coach um, that, that is perhaps, you know, he's using to his advantage in year two. Anything? Well, I think he learned a lot. I mean, he, if you ask him, he'll just say, I wasn't a very good coach. And part of that was because I think he spent so much time on the defense because that was his forte, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he'd been that coordinator for so long, and he had his hand on it, and he was calling the defense. Uh, until Chris Marv, he felt ready that he would be able to do it. So I think uh, he probably didn't spend enough time with the offense. Uh, there were issues that came up, you know, where he probably wasn't tough enough on some of the guys with the lack of discipline. You know, we had 15 penalties against Old Dominion, 15 penalties against West Virginia. That's that's just absurd to have that kind of lack of discipline. So <clears throat> they've been a, it's been a real point of emphasis this spring to punish guys who are making penalties, having penalties, uh, to be more disciplined, uh, to be more as a team. And I think uh, having his hand on the offense has certainly helped matters because he can bring a different perspective about what makes it uh, difficult from his standpoint, you know, when you talk about the offense and what they're trying to do. Mike, what's the expectation to get this season started before you get into ACC play in October? The non-conference games are Old Dominion, Purdue, Rutgers, and Marshall. What type of expectations are there for the Hokies before you get into the ACC? Well, I think when you look at it, you think that you feel pretty comfortable with those games. I mean, you got Mm -hmm. the first two at home, the next two are on the road, but Purdue and Rutgers did not get a lot of love. Uh, in terms of the preseason picks for their conference, Purdue's got a new coach. Uh, records will be difficult. Marshall on the road won't be easy. But I think you've got to come out of that thing as clean as you can get. 4-0 would be great. 3-1 and wouldn't be bad because those eight ACC games are going to be difficult. Obviously, starting with Pitt, we saw what happened last year up there with the Bonaconda. That dude's still running. We, yeah. we haven't been able to tackle him yet. <laughs> Fortunately, he's in the league now. <laughs> but, you know, we've had trouble with Pitt. And then you got to turn around and play at Florida State, and it just doesn't get easy. So I think if you can get off to a great start, get three or four wins, have some confidence, a little mojo, uh, that could certainly set the tone for the season. How important is that first one? We know it is every year. Every team wants to certainly win every game, but but certainly that first one. But Old Dominion, what happened in Norfolk last year? You got it at Lane Stadium. You want to get that Lane Stadium buzz going again. You know how much you know is September second already circled for the Hokies against Old No, it's yeah, they got a chip on their shoulder from last year. There's no doubt. And they lost that game with 33 seconds left. Uh, the, the five turnovers, the 15 penalties, just not good. So they, they definitely are ready to go, want to play them, show what it's all about. The, the crowd's almost a sellout right now. It's going to be a night game, so it's going to be electric. And, uh, yeah, I think they're excited and ready to go for that one for sure. You and Billy ready to go, Mike? Absolutely. He finally got back in town. He's been <laughs> down in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So he came back up uh, Monday, drove up with his dog. And so he's back in town. I saw him at practice yesterday, and we met and went through the format of the radio. So, yeah, it's good to see him, and uh, we're excited. We actually extended our pregame show a half an hour this year, so we're going to have an extra 30 minutes on the pregame show. It seemed like there were so many commercials, Bob. You couldn't even get like a – you start talking about the offensive line, you got to cut off because you got to get to commercial. <laughs> so, well, that's we, a good we thing, I guess, Mike, right? 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess, guess for those, that's a good for thing, somebody. right? <laughs> Somebody's interested in spending some money with the Virginia Tech Hokies and to be a part of Bill Roth and, and Mike Burns. That's probably not a that may cut into the pregame meal time. You might have to back that uh, up. A you're, bit. you're absolutely right there. Yeah, we gotta get a little pub for that now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, let me finish up with you, uh, Mike, off the field. I almost hesitate to do that because I can tell you as a sports talk show host with that hat on, it, it's kind of getting boring uh, to talk about. But that's this conference realignment. How much yeah. did you follow what, what happened? Florida State mouthing off as it did. And where you think the ACC is right now at the moment as, you know, conference number three. We know the SEC. We know the Big Ten. And there's a gap there. But then there is the ACC. Kind of how much did you did you keep an eye on that over the summer? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to keep an eye on it just to see what's going on and, and hope that you land in a spot that's good if the thing breaks up. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many scenarios you couldn't even go over it in a show, right? I mean, if Florida yeah. State was to leave or Clemson left, what's going to happen to the ACC? You know, and then you got the Stanford and Cal situation and maybe even um, uh, what's called SMU down in Dallas just to get mm-hmm. the TV markets. You know, there's just every scenario you can possibly think of. Uh, but <laughs> the crazy thing is, it's just like, you know, the 18th team in the Big Ten is going to get whatever that cut is, $70, $80 million, right? And they're going to be the 18th team in the league. I mean, I wish that eventually, and hope that it comes to you, you'll get whatever it is, whatever that number is, 48 teams, have 224 divisions, and you huh. set your own rules, cut your own TV contract, have your own playoff set up, and just do your own thing. I think that's what it probably needs to be at. And uh, just hopefully uh, you don't get left out because uh, back in the day before the Big East came around and then the, the ACC, you know, the Hokies could have been in some trouble. But – you hope that they can uh, survive all this mess. And it seems like the ACC has done at least its due diligence right now. I don't think anything's happening, right? Uh, obviously, August 15th was a deadline day for next year. Florida State is right where it was on August 14th and on August 16th. And maybe they made some overtures. You mentioned Stanford, Cal, SMU. But at the end of the day, not doing anything right now. Yeah, that's it. And they did mouth off. And, I mean, you know, they had a good year last year in football, right? But what – what have they done before that since right. Bowden left? You know, they've mm-hmm. gone through coaches like Carter had liver pills, you know. I mean, it's like, <laughs> so I just, um, you know, sometimes you just got to quit barking and just go with what you got and hope for the best. And hopefully they'll be able to stick together and, and survive and be a strong league. But they have got to close that money gap, Bob. I mean, that, mm-hmm. it's absurd. It's just getting bigger by the day. So until they can figure out a way to, close that gap there's going to be constant complaining and barking you can rest assured yep that is that is certainly a key as we said there's a a large drop off between one and two and then three and and everybody else for sure hey let's focus on the field mike all right that's the fun part of this thing it's what we love doing uh love that you guys are getting ready to go and we'll be listening to you on september 2nd old dominion at virginia tech and obviously we'll try to ring your phone during the course of the year as well greatly appreciate it mike burnup you got it at any time. And, uh, boy, some of those Richmond kids are really playing well, those freshmen. Uh, it's a talented group, and we're looking forward to seeing those guys grow. Oh, we, we hope so. And, and I should have brought this up earlier, I, I, and I don't mean to end on this note, but anything you can – inkling you can tell us about what happened with Stone Snyder there? I mean, obviously that got a lot of, a lot of play here in Richmond because he is a Richmond, Richmond kid. Yeah. I think it, that, that when he got here, I just think that he saw that uh, the depth chart was going to be hard mm-hmm. to – make waves there because those yeah. other guys have been there for so long, knew the terminology, knew the 
scheme and all that, and uh, it was just going to be difficult to get some playing time. I mean, that's that's the, to me the biggest thing, and you know, you hate it for them because I think he could have helped them. But it was just going to take some time, and you know, you, there's not a lot of time when you only have 25 practices before the first game. So, yeah. you know, uh, I wish him the best, and I uh, was looking forward to seeing him, but uh, yeah, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Well, I'll bet you, Mike, one of those other Richmond kids, I'll bet you Ali Jennings has a big game on uh, September 2nd against Old Dominion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he, was, he, was, he was telling the story, Bob, when at media day that uh, when he first got here, he's kind of looking around at his teammates and just smiling. He says, yeah, we got you. I caught a bunch of passes. <laughs> and, and they weren't smiling back. <laughs> yeah. Well, now he can do it again wearing in. their colors. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'll venture he'll have a big game in, in, in game number one. One of those Richmond kids. And we hope the rest of them uh, do well as well. Thanks again, Mike. We'll catch up soon. Okay, Bob. Sounds good. You take care. Mike Burnup from uh, Virginia Tech Radio Network, uh, the longtime Hokie analyst, Hall of Famer there, Virginia Tech football. And he's also one of the very few that is the analyst for both football and men's basketball. And yeah, I, I almost I meant to ask him about the Stone Snyder thing. And I think, you know, we've all kind of come to that realization that he just wasn't going to get much playing time there, that it just it just wasn't meshing. Uh, for him but there are some other richmonders on that roster tech's done a good job in that regard again uh trying to build that thing back up uh who will play for the hokies moving forward we need to move forward almost at 10 of 5 already we get a break in we'll bridge the gap and get you up to the top of the hour in an espn sports center update we'll come back on the other side again thanks to mike burnham for talking some virginia tech football with us on the sports huddle 1061 espn 